From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hello out there in Radio Land. It is I, your moderator and trusted host at Backroom Politics. Joining me in the Studio A here at Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital, across the table at 1 o'clock. He is the former Joe Biden political operative and lawyer in Washington, D.C., in the great state of Maryland. He is Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. I'm learning new things every day. For Are example, you? I didn't know Washington National Airport was actually named for George Washington because of the battle victory during the Revolutionary War. That's right. Yeah, War. That's right. That's right. That's I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by that. The, Taking the, the, the airport for the revolution. That's By impressive. the way, if you do not remember the Green Mountain Boys' famous last stand at runway 927, you are completely missing your history. Uh, at my 11 o'clock, he is the serious one. He is the one... That served for last count four presidents as the Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And in a remote but uh, kind of Bay State kind of way location, he is the former HuffPost contributing uh, uh, contributing writer and author of such great books as American Politics on the Rocks. He is the one we know as Rich Rubino. Hey, Rich. Hey. Hey, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's. Uh, there's all kinds of breaking news happening here in Washington and down in New Orleans regarding Obamacare. But let's talk about what's gotten everybody. It's kind of gossipy. It's kind of inquire-esque. It's kind of a little scandalous. But it's got everybody's attention. That is the issue involving uh, Wall Street financier and convicted registered sex offender Jeffrey Epstein who apparently, as of yesterday, has been indicted yet again by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York on all kinds of, of different charges involving uh, possible statutory rape, including child pornography, including even kidnapping. They're all over the place. But what I will tell you is it has got a lot of people uh, concerned. Apparently, when the FBI raided Mr. Epstein's uh, Upper Upper East Side multi-million dollar mansion in Manhattan, New York City, they found pictures of young girls in a safe. There is speculation that there might be also some compromising pictures of some people that might be very prominent. This has got a lot of people in D.C. on both sides of the aisle running a little nervous. Let's start with the big question. And now there's another factor to this. Number one, now that the U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of New York has filed these charges, the question and the target now goes on Secretary Donald Trump's Secretary of Labor, Secretary Acosta, as to why he did not follow through on much larger charges when he had the case as the U.S. attorney for Southern District, Florida— about what was it about seven years ago, eight years ago? Uh, more like uh, twelve. Or was 14. it twelve? Okay. Uh, lots of questions. Well, there's also a, a question about uh, th- then U.S. Attorney Acosta's uh, failure to notify other. Oh yeah. Victims, oh, there's all which, kinds which, of problems. Which by with this. law, it was a failure on but his let, part. Let's let's talk let's talk about the grand stuff and then go down into in, into the the details on this. But on a on a grand scale. On the Republican side, Alan, how worried should Republicans be about this? 
Not very. Uh, the only time that that uh, that Epstein knew Donald Trump was back in the early 2000s when Trump was a Democrat. Yeah, that could be the shortest answer that Alan's given on this, and that's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Donald Trump, whatever party registration affiliation he has, and whichever party loves him dearly now is really the question. The Democrats shouldn't be throwing bricks at this glass house right now. I'm not suggesting that. I mean, this goes all the way up to Bill Clinton. This goes all the way to Bill Clinton flew on this guy's airplane over 25 times. He went to his island. They were big buddies. Yeah, there, 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 there are lots of questions. I mean, Donald Trump is also in in the only Donald Trumpian way uh, talking about Epstein. Followed up, followed up with the editorial comment. Oh yeah, and he really likes young women. Jesus, uh, <laughs> that so. Uh, Donald, it's Don, not Don, that Don, often that Donald Trump is accurate on the facts. And, 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 that's true. Come on, that's true. No, okay, and no, on top, no, of, no, the, no, and on top uh, of the yeah, fact that it, it, that there's uh, somebody creepier than Donald Trump in this argument. Yeah, and. and and it's, it's worth noting, uh, while we were joking about this, we were talking about young girls, some allegedly as young as 14. Yeah. So if there's any grain of truth to this and anyone else who is associated with it, who knew about it, and and somehow either sat on their hands, every person along that chain deserves whatever is coming to them. And, and, and being a resident historian here... Uh, Rich is, is, I mean, we we've seen some pretty seedy uh, controversies come up in Washington history. This this one's this one's got to be top three, top four as far as taking some very serious people down, possibly. Oh no, absolutely. Um, you know, we first of all just to just as a um, preamble, we don't really know what the affiliation is and who these people are. If there is any affiliation with Bill Clinton, I mean, certainly they were. They were allies. They were friends. But, you know, there are a lot of people who make who make millions of dollars or, for that matter, billions of dollars who are friends. So there's really no evidence in that. But, I mean, just re- in terms of recent times, you know, we found out, for example, Elliot Spitzer, you know, the governor of New York, who was supposed to be, you know, he was on the rise to become the first Jewish president. Then he found out that we found out that he was uh, client number nine and then he ended up having a show on MSNBC. So that was one that recently the other one would have been Denny Hastert. Um, Denny Hastert, the longest-serving Speaker of the House and Republican Speaker of the House in American history. And we found out that he was um, essentially that he was paying money for one of his former – for one of his former uh, for one of his former students when he was a wrestling coach, and he found out later on that he was actually paying him right. money so that he wouldn't go public with the allegations right. that he had that he had that he was a that he was a child molester when he was a coach and right. his so his reputation completely ruined. He's now out of jail. No Republican wants to associate with him. But right now, I mean, we're still at the very beginning stages of this. But it's interesting because you know for the longest time. It was the, I know that a lot of, particularly in the kind of conservative intelligentsia, have been kind of hinting about Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, in terms of having this affiliation with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton went to his private island, but it never really made the mainstream press. Right. Now, with yesterday at making the New York Times, now the establishment right. is, is following this, and it's a mainstream issue. You know, let's and, you know that I think the great, the great conspirators think that somehow this is going to bring Donald, – remember, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton at one time, they were golfing to pals, and they were allies, so some people are saying – Oh, you know, they obviously in Bill Clinton went to his went to Donald Trump's uh, wedding. They're saying there must be some sort of affiliation. This, but the answer, but the obvious and cliche answer was we really don't know right. the facts here. Let's be careful when we're, when we're discussing this. A, 
while I'm not condoning any of the activities that any of the people that, that you listed engaged and in. And this is still an open investigation. The, 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 the issue uh, with Epstein and Denny Hastert and anyone else that... When you're talking about a, it, this is not a crime of sex. This is a crime of taking advantage of kids. So right. let's 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 be careful on ha- on how we are discussing right. this. No, no I, I agree. But and Alan Moore, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the very beginning, your question was, should Republicans or Democrats be nervous? And I had a somewhat flippant comment about. Uh, about it being the the Democrats, uh, Epstein had a long history of of donating to Democrats, um, uh, to the tune of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, almost like President I mean, Trump. It, it, uh, it was Jeffrey. It was Jeffrey. But, it was Jeffrey but, Epstein. It, live live show guys. It, and anyway, but it was Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein that almost took down Senator Bob Menendez. Uh, that part of his trial was based off of flights he took on planes with Jeffrey Epstein, if I recall so, correctly. I don't remember that yeah. part. But anyway, anyway, the, the Dan's point about the underlying crimes here are is absolutely on point. Right. This guy is all the evidence says that this man is a pedophile, that he was trafficking in many, many young girls, um, paying them, paying them to find more young girls, has a trove of photos of of n- naked young girls, maybe picture who we don't know whether they were pictures he took or not. I've not heard right. anything about compromising photos, so let's be careful about talking yeah, about anything that. Anything we Epstein, say is allegedly, because there's yeah, well, still an open investigation. They've found these photos. I mean, the, that, yeah, that, that's in the when, report. When they re- when there's they a long them. history. This guy has to has to file in most states uh, as a sex offender right. uh, as a result of that, that first uh, uh, prosecution, um, which, as Dan accurately pointed out, was not communicated to the victims. And that issue is one that the Department of Justice is apparently currently investigating about how this was handled. The yeah. one Republican who's got a real problem here is the Secretary of Labor, um, and and the timing for him and and the visibility uh, couldn't be worse. Um, I, I I'm in no position to 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 challenge to know. I mean, these people, uh, prosecutors have a lot of have a lot of flexibility uh, to but, to and and he wanted to make sure that he did some jail time and that he had to register right, as a sex right. offender and that and that happened. But the jail time was he was able to go to work every day. It he was, was on it work was, release. It was out some of the kind county. of a, a, it was, a detention it was well handled. facility. It was less than a year. Um, so. Mm. So it, it's well, this, it's very troubling set right. of allegations for Epstein now, and anybody ever associated right. with. Now it. let's bring this. I, I want to bring this. You're the resident attorney in here today, Dan. So I'll go to you. You know the the reality is that there, there's there's two big bombshells here. One, you have a major political donor who apparently is donating on both sides of the aisle. Uh, largely regarded as a Democratic donor, but he's de- he's also donated to Republicans. But you've got a major political donor now who was already uh, convicted of sex crimes in the Southern District of Florida. Is the bigger scandal the fact I, I that— ble- I believe he pled out. He, or he pled I, I, out. Well, that, yeah, that, it was, that, it was, was a non—I'm sorry, it was a, non-prosec- that, it was a non-prosecutorial and, agreement. And, and as I understand it, he pled out to the state charges in, as, instead of the federal instead charges. Instead of the federal right. charges. So, so here's, here's the question then. Which is the bigger scandal? 
is it the fact that, one, you have a federal indictment on a big money financier of political operatives, or do you, is the bigger scandal the fact that you had a U.S. attorney in the Southern District of Florida completely mishandle a case involving sexual abuse with minors? We don't have enough facts yet. Um, it, it, whatever it is, it's not good. So let's let's it, the 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 shiniest polish you can possibly put on this is uh, the then U.S. Attorney Acosta in an effort to uh, save resources because you always want to do that, and with the power of federal prosecutors, that instead of taking this to trial and without a doubt, Epstein would have had a huge. Uh, uh, pow- powerful uh, level of the, legal power behind the, him. The complaint so had, that we're accepting, hearing, accepting a, a, a plea out, save time, money that could be right. But the, That's the best possible. But the approach. complaint we're hearing but right still now you're is getting bad, a, a a bad level of access that rich people are essentially treated differently. Right. But the but the the, the problem that we're hearing right now, the 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 dig that we're hearing on Secretary Acosta is. That he, he violated didn't even, the law in the process of doing this. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't even contact the victims to let them know that there was an NPA, a non-prosecutorial agreement, in place when they set this thing forward. Is how unheard of is that? I'm certain it's not unheard of, but the fact that we're having this many uh, uh, that everyone involved now is so front uh, front stage uh, is where it's coming is coming forward and to to the credit and this is where the fake news media and I'm that's tongue-in-cheek uh, deserves credit the Miami Herald followed this from from soup to nuts and and broke this story the, the fake news media as Donald Trump would put it really did their job and brought this to light and there's still just not enough facts out there for all we know we're gonna find out that there have been a zillion of these kind of cases that uh, just kind of swept under the rug and these non-prosecution agreements that, since nobody's mo- minding the story, right. we, we don't know. Rich Rubino, I mean, to me, uh, this is sounding not so much as it's going to stick to Donald Trump and the White House, but it, it almost seems that the stars are aligning to the fact that this may cost Secretary Acosta his job. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think that just for I just I think that for for Donald Trump's sake, it's just politically advantageous not to have him there. Um, you know, he's praising him like he always does and saying what a great guy he is. But I think for his sake, I think if the secretary were to offer his resignation, uh, Donald Trump would say, you know, just like he said with the former with uh, Secretary Shanahan, he said, you know, essentially he did a very good job. He has family issues, and you know, I want to have somebody else in there. You know, I, d- I doubt that Donald Trump really knows. Or cares very much about what's going on in the Labor Department in the first place. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's like you know him worrying about what's going on in the Agriculture Department, the department that he has to he has to have, and he has to appoint somebody to that position. And I doubt, I doubt he really cares who he appoints. Yeah, he well, Donald Trump's already him distanced now. himself from Secretary Acosta uh, in recent comments, saying, and this is something amazing. And uh, Donald Trump said, "Well, I didn't really know him. I only met him when he interviewed for the job." <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. which is an untrumpian thing to say. Which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, but but here's the thing, Alan. Trumpian. 
that seems to follow the pattern. It does. To, to, to sort of establish distance and depending on the history. This guy's a U.S. attorney down in Florida, and then I don't know what what he was after that. So it, it, it would have been unlikely that they the would have. He was the chancellor of the FIU <laughs> Law School, amongst other things. Right. There you go. Yeah. So, so but, but here's the big question, though, Alan, is when we – when when we dive deep in this, does does Donald Trump almost seem hypocritical in saying, you know, well, he's got to go? You know, we're talking about a president that has had l- largely his entire presidency shrouded in the cloud of questionable actions with women. How do you how do you deal with the Acosta issue without looking like hypocritical? Well, he just he is he's denied all of it, uh, notwithstanding uh, quite a, quite a large body of uh, evidence to the contrary. Um, a bunch of accusers, his own comments uh, 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 that were that were on tape and and that we all saw immediately before the election. Um, but 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 it, it's not if, if hypocrisy were were uh, 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 politically destructive uh, he would not have been president in the first place so no, that's true. so i don't i don't think that that that's really the issue the and and the in acosta he he's sort of accused of malpractice here of yeah. of uh, as us attorney he's his own personal behavior is not at issue but but as i think several people have said He's it's be- the malpractice of a case involving minor children. Well, he's become a liability. It doesn't even matter, but that's particularly uh, egregious and troubling. But he's become a political liability. The president has had no long history with him, no particular loyalty to right. him. He, the president likes to claim that he has all this loyalty, but he never seems to show it when a, when when he's tired of somebody or, God forbid, they should become uh, a liability, uh, uh, a subject of, uh, of attacks. The only thing that helps Acosta right now, this is odd, is Chuck Schumer is standing out there on the Senate floor calling on Acosta to resign. And that's the kind of thing that gets this president's uh, adrenaline going. And he thinks, I'm not going to do what they tell me to do. Let's stand with stand by him, at least for now, for another 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I doubt whether that's going to last very long. I, I think Acosta's names, days are numbered. This Justice Department investigation is underway it's hard to figure out the little I know about the law, notwithstanding that that they won't they won't at least uh, uh, find that he mishandled this 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 uh, the communication uh, with with the victims, which, it, which if, isn't whether or not it which was may or not be criminal a violation or not. It's apparently against the law. I don't know what they will find in that regard, but if if this, I, I mean, if but I'm this could definitely get him disbarred. In a big, Am I wrong? In a, if I'm out there in a big job, I don't want the Justice so, Department investigating whether I broke the but, law. But th- I mean, uh, this could this could possibly get him disbarred. Well, that, that's the question of a. I'm not, uh, he's obviously a, a member of the Florida bar. Uh, I don't know if he's a member of other bars. My guess is the answer is yes. But the th- that is a possibility. Um, however, there is the question of, and I haven't heard, I haven't uh, read the statute myself. Um, the question is, who do you? It's uh, rights without remedies are like uh, rules without penalties. If there is no penalty here for the violation of the law, then does that law actually exist? So the U.S. Attorney's action in this case, uh, bargaining away. Uh, 
something that apparently he did not have the rights to. Right. Um, if there is no penalty section of that law, um, there's a lot of precedent out there about people acting in uh, in official government actions, whether or not they are personally liable. And the, and the courts have consistently said no, uh, particularly in defense of prosecutors. So it's... Um, so the, the other maybe there could be a turn on that, so the bar might be the only refuge. My, yeah, my guess is he's not going to be disbarred, but if he steps down, it's not like the the, the, the people or law firms are lining up to hire this guy who had to, to step down in disgrace for the way he handled a a, a sex case involving young but he, girls. But here's the other uh, interesting point, though. Here's the other interesting point, though, that just broke but, today. But wait, I, also, think, I think we went a little too fast as far as saying uh, the, checking the investigations, but we don't know, and this is not. We literally have no idea. Is I, I went through the rosiest possible scenario of why Acosta acted the way he did. There are plenty of non-rosy scenarios. There could be money in the background. Influence. There, 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 could, there could be other influence issues. We have absolutely no idea what will be uncovered but there's along an, the way. There's another dynamic here that, that is starting to get traction that not a lot of people have dug into is, uh, number one, uh, Attorney General uh, Bill Barr recused himself from this case. He's literally stepped away from this. Uh, I, don't, I, I know the re- I have not... I don't recall. I heard the reason why. It, I just it, don't. It, 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 it's a pretty direct uh, recusal since Bob Barr was apparently a partner at Kirkland and Ellis. And Kirkland, and Kirkland and Ellis handled legal for his is, hedge fund. Is, is actively handling uh, not just the hedge fund, I believe his defense. Oh, is he real? Uh, oh, wow. So, okay. So it's a pretty straightforward recusal there. At If you are an attorney at that level and those law firms are at Play and depending on which whatever the parties are also at play. Does, does Bill Barr? You, you I mean, does Bill Barr have off. does Bill Barr have a uh, exposure problem on this one? I don't think so. I mean, at at that level, attorney client privilege pretty much trumps everything. Uh, lowercase t. Uh, so it's uh, it, it, I doubt uh, the attorney general has anything at play here it's possible lawyers occasionally have to deal with icky things and icky clients right but i i don't see where bar is really in trouble here retribino R- R- yeah. i mean does is this something that could bite bill Barr in the rear end do you think uh no i don't think so i think so i think because he was able to dis- i think because he was able to kind of disassociate himself and doing this and doing this so fast i think it's hard for the democrats to really kind of make a case here but in terms of Trump, I mean, I think the best thing possible scenario for him is just for this guy to kind of resign post haste to say that there's, you know, it was a mutual, it was a mutual decision and just kind of and just kind of move on. Um, and for because I think this is something, by the way, in terms of President Trump, a lot of scandals are so complicated that people kind of look at him and they kind of fall asleep. Whitewater is one of them. It was very hard to explain this business deal between the Clintons and the McDougals in the 1970s. But this is something that the average person, somebody who has very little interest in politics, somebody who's kind of a low-information voter, when they hear what's going on with Jeffrey Epstein specifically, this is something that they that immediately, I think, res- struck a resonant chord with them because it's so easy to understand. It's something that's not really you know a political scandal as much as it's a personal scandal. And when stuff like this happens, and if there's any sort of an association with either Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz, anybody who's associated with them, I think that's where this steps the work because it's very easy for people to explain this and you can explain what's going on essentially, you know, to high school students. There was yeah. a great piece of political advice I was given by a non political friend and and that statement was the 
given the choice between a problem people do understand and a problem people don't understand, they will go with the problem they do understand any day of the week. And the idea of kids being taken advantage of by adults, um, I mean, this goes back to the House Page scandal. It, it, it was pretty straightforward where there is no way of going, well, you know, I didn't really know that this child right. wasn't. Uh, no, there, there, is, there is no way of polishing that story. Right. So, yeah, I, it's kind of weird that the, that the, I mean, that the Trump administration it, hasn't asked Acosta to go away, right. go away quickly. Yeah, two, two minutes left, Alan Moore. Yeah, there's one other group that's paying close attention to this, and I would guess it's all the uh, current and former uh, U.S. attorneys around the country who are wondering uh, or maybe thinking about deals they might have agreed to sometime in the past that they felt like was kind of messy and dirty and that needed to be resolved. Um, and the fact that something that you that you signed off on a dozen years ago might come back to bite you is just an interesting I, concept. It is. I'm not saying it's common that something with this much uh, politics and 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 the and sins so apparently uh, 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 large involving so many young girls is is at all common. But it's just interesting. I, that, know, I mean, it, it, it is a real question that Alan. At, that, that, that's and, a very good we, question. We, we could have our an entire show on it because of how much. Power Power uh, there is in prosecutors. It's not just U.S. Uh, attorneys, but prosecutors all the way down the line. There's actually fewer cases going through trial now than ever in American history. Part of that's an issue of capacity that we haven't built courts to, to keep up with just our population. Not that we are more litigious. That's actually right. not true. Um, but it, the just the access to courts and the process and the time it takes to go through these right. U.S. attorneys or just prosecutors have all of this power to negotiate things away because there just is no capacity to deal with all of it. If everyone said they would wanted to go to trial, we couldn't. I mean, I, I mean, on top of the fact that you know it's not just the U.S. attorneys that have issues. I mean, if you've read the news over the past week, uh, the judiciary in New Jersey's got a lot of problems going too. With with stupid decisions, stupid deals, and wait, New Jersey government has problems. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Tell me uh, more. I know. I know. Uh, around the horn, real quick. We got thirty seconds left. Uh, does Acosta uh, survive this? Alan Moore. I don't. Uh, he does not. Absolutely Dan? not. Rich. Now, the correct answer is no. Okay. Uh, that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When, yeah. <laughs> when, we come, when we come back, we'll have more of the best political talk show you've never heard of. This is Backroom Politics from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we're back here in Studio A, Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Uh, Keeping us honest behind the glass, uh, Rob the Engineer. Thank you very much, sir. That's Wow, that's really loud. That bumper just didn't fade out the way I thought it was going to. We like to bring the energy here on Backroom Politics. I, 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 I guess so. Rob the Engineer keeping us honest. Uh, our producer, Eric Thomas, is also behind the glass. And, of course, uh, we've got Charlie Bernie there waving to us behind the glass. Hi, Charlie. Thank you for being our ever-eternal host. Hey, uh, you know, um, this is the uh, podcast that we're doing right after the 4th of July weekend. Uh, there was fireworks, there were celebrations, there were lots of parades, and in case you didn't see it, there was a uh, celebration of America that the president put out there. Uh, controversial, yep. Uh, interesting, interesting presentation, yep. Uh, it was bizarre, to say the least, magnificent to, to some. But let, let's go to the big. Let's go to the big factor here, Rich Rubino, Let me go to you first. There was a lot of criticism of the president as far as the president getting directly involved with the Fourth of July celebration on the Mall. It's largely been a nonpartisan, nonpolitical kind of agnostic celebration on the Mall with the fireworks and the the concert out by the western face of the Capitol. Uh, some are saying that the president hijacked the 4th of July. Is that fair? Uh, I don't, I think it's a little bit more, um, I guess it's a little bit more ambiguous. I mean, clearly he wanted to do this for political purposes, even if not for domestic consumption in the United States, to show other world leaders, kind of, you know, autocrats certainly, that the United States can, I guess, can do this too. His speech was actually surprisingly non-political. Um, but I think that for for the most part, I would say that most of the people who listened to it were probably um, Trump were probably Trump fans. But yeah, I mean, I think it do. You know, it hasn't, there hasn't he hasn't done this. Our president hasn't really been there since you know Truman back in 1951. Um, I don't know if this is a precedent that's going to continue through other presidents. My guess would be, my supposition would be that it wouldn't that it would not be. But you know, just seeing him up there behind bulletproof glass, you have to kind of ask yourself, you know, why exactly is he there? What is the purpose of him? of him being there and why does it necessarily need to have a president and for that matter a first lady you know at such an event but i thought the speech was fine i thought the whole thing about you know an airplane um about the age during the revolutionary war kind of stole the thunder of the speech because the next day that's what most people that's what most of the media was covering and that's what most, a lot of the jokes were about but i also think that it can potentially actually hurt his image to what there if there are any actual persuadable voters out there they're a very small contingent but i think they're going to look at president trump and they're going to say you know i, I mean i'm just I'm, you know this this is just my kind of supposition again hey, rich i, I got rich i got to ask yeah. you i got to ask the question you really thought that that was a decent speech that the president gave on the 4th compared to his other comparatively speaking to the other speeches that he's given where he speaks and he does it in very partisan terms i would say that that was um the, the, yes i mean it was he taught most of the speech was just him talking about the Revolutionary War, him talking about battles and talking about what's going it was, on. It was no, a fourth grade history lesson. Well, yeah, a, an I mean, incorrect fourth grade he history lesson. He was conflating the Civil War with the War of 1812. The yeah. <laughs> I, have a very, I have a very low bar here. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Most of the speeches that he gives, in, for, the, for the most part, there's a, there's a difference here. 
between a political speech when a when a president speaks at you know at for example a state convention when he gives right. a partisan political speech that's a different speech than when he's giving an official speech. What Donald Trump does is he amalgamates the two. You know he'll give an official. You know it's it's interesting when a president goes and he say, say he's going the president's going to Louisiana and he's going to speak before the Louisiana Democratic Party and then he's going to give a speech. You mean the Republican Party? The oil industry. You mean the Republican Party? The Republican Party, I'm sorry, or either party. So, so basically, the, the political party pays for his political speech, and then his official speech is paid for by is paid for by the federal government. What he does is he basically amalgamates. And so, if he's going to give a speech in New Orleans, that speech is going to get is going he'll he'll t- talk for five or ten minutes about the issue that he's there for, and the rest of it is going after you know crooked Hillary and Sleepy Joe and you know Peter and every every right. other p- political opponent going back going back to Grover Cleveland. Right. But what he did in this, what he did not do in this one, and this is why I have such a low bar for. For him is he did not use it to kind of to excoriate his political opponents. Now, if this was any other president that gave a that gave a speech, I would say the, I would say you're absolutely correct. But just because of who he is and the types of speeches he generally gives, now, the fact that he was able to keep politics out of it to that degree. Well, I mean, now, wait, no, on, politics on. wasn't completely out of it. Well, the I'll, RNC was giving out t- VIP, uh, VIP tickets. And we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about <laughs> yeah, that in a second. He's talking about the speech about, content. Hold on. Hold on. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Alan Moore, I mean, where do you fall on this? I mean, I, agree, to, I, I basically agree with Rich that, that I, I was, A, I didn't pay a lot of attention to, to the speech. I was, I was not happy that... That he decided. Was this an ego trip? To, of course, it was an ego trip, um, and and it's it's and it's odd. But, you know, this is a guy who's for for two and a half years now wanted to have a big display of of milit- of America's military might, and and General Mattis at one point said, "Yeah, we can do this," and then they started dropping fifty and sixty million dollar price tags on what this would cost. Because this was and supposed it, to be a it, Veterans it, Day. It kind of went thing. away. And so the you know the president likes to wrap himself in the flag. He likes to wrap himself in his Literally. love in his love of the veterans. Um, and he saw this as a as an opportunity. He's got no particular history and no interest in in understanding what what the Fourth of July in Washington D.C. has meant. Um, it was like, hey, here's an opportunity. Let's do it. He he decided about two weeks out to do it and 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 all the people around him in the White House and at the Pentagon and in Washington DC were just beside themselves trying to figure out how do we just pull this off logistically they 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 had a, a couple thousand chairs and tickets and the RNC had a bunch and it was one of the easiest tickets in the history of of, of Washington DC to get that's true they were handing these <laughs> handing were them handing out, them out to, to, to lot to that's to, true. to to White House staff yeah, you know, they were handing you, them out to passersby at you, some well, point. I think it was like, do you want ten? Here, here, you can have ten. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, I think the whole thing, and we we don't have a price tag yet, and we will get a price tag at some point. It'll be an estimate, and that will be another embarrassment to the president. So he got rained on. He's behind bulletproof glass that looks like somebody's shower stall that hasn't been squeegeed off. Um, so all you can, <laughs> you kind of see him there. He's trying to be disciplined because he does realize that if he tries to go political, he'll really get hammered. So he try he tries he stays to stick, on teleprompter. He tries to stick with the teleprompter and the text. And then when the electricity goes out, he makes these <laughs> these mistakes, uh, like uh, the storming of, of the, the airports, of storming of the airports and the Revolutionary Ram- War, that ramming become, the ramparts. That, yes, that, that become that become uh, memes uh, th- thereafter. 
after. And and it was he had to look back on that. And 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 even though he wouldn't want to blame himself, um, he'll 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 blame he anybody the but, but himself. Sure. sure. And the people that did it. And and the 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 fact they couldn't get all the stuff uh, uh, done in time. Um, uh, I'm sure that back on on, on the Apprentice, uh, they they always had everything just just so in a small studio for a regular program this was that, a that one they could retape over and over and over you know this it was, is what we remember from the speech 20 years from now if anyone looks back at the speech at all that's the one line they're, they're going to remember so you know it stole the narrative that he had that he was going to speak at this big patriotic thing and he was going to be up there speaking the one thing people are going to remember is that one faux pas he had well, about the well there's also, the, disaster there's also the substance of it where, where, where he ends up no. just suggesting the, the only substance of the, of the United States that occurred on July 4th 1776 was the fact that we can kick your ass militarily it's as though there is nothing else the country stands for so this is a, this is this <laughs> is a, this is the point. problem of people who participate in this show, they 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 get lost in the weeds. I'm totally with Rich here. They're going to remember. They're <laughs> Why gonna, pay attention to what the president they, was saying? They're, they're going to remember. They're going to remember that faux pas. The the theme of the speech. No, they might no. remember that for for a change. He's he tried to stick with the teleprompter, right. and even that didn't work out very well. I'm guessing that this was this was was such a letdown from what he thought. And we're going to get a whole spate of stories when we come up with the, you know, twenty-five million dollar price tag or whatever it was that that he'll say, yeah, okay, I get well, it. Wait, we're not doing that. Let's talk about the price tag for a second because here's here's a stat that I heard the other day. There are tw- almost one point two billion dollars in infrastructure and maintenance backups that they have at the National Park Service nationwide, and yet they still hit up the National Park Service to cover the tab for this 4th of July event. No, they, they, they didn't do to cover the tab. They took a couple of million dollars, which is not trivial when you're the Park Service with all of this backlog. The, yeah. That's only a sliver of the cost. Um, and we're, we're going to get, a, we're gonna get uh, a bill from the Pentagon, and we're going to find out how much uh, you're talking about the, You're the talking police. about the money to transport tanks I'm talking on about rail, the, total, the police coverage. The, the total price tag, Good God. Which, which will come largely out of the Defense Department, a piece out of the National Park Service. It's just there's going to be a number. And that will be the story that that you know that 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 the president's ego trip on the Fourth of July cost the taxpayer X millions of dollars. That will be the other right. little piece that he will have to try to explain and defend, and but, will ultimately be embarrassed. Yeah, but Dan, but Dan, you know, the, 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 it does bring up a good question, though. I mean, we've been. It, it's not like we haven't had Fourth of July fireworks and celebrations on the mall. And that does cost money. The security that's been increased since 9-11 has cost money. It involves the National Park Service. It involves uh, Metropolitan Police Department here in Washington, D.C., every other law enforcement agency in the, the national capital region. This costs money. It's just this time we had it on It'll the cost front. More. Well, much, but, much more. But, but I, mean, I mean, can you see Trump supporters that say, look, what is the big deal? We've been doing this for decades on the mall. We just had the president do it on the Lincoln steps instead of having the fireworks go off 
by the reflecting the pool. Uh, well, yeah, no, the the the, the Trump supporters. Uh, there's no They're explaining Trump supporters. But do they not have a, do they not have a legitimate? Uh, argument that says until quit we, uh, bitching about uh, this until we have the numbers side by side, and I promise you, the actual Trump Kool Aid drinkers would say if there weren't illegal immigrants here, we could afford military right, parades let's not, let's everywhere. Not get, all right, let's not get. Are you honestly? I mean, are no, you honestly asking, saying this is not what they might say? No, no but what I'm saying, to you, no, no, no. No, wait a minute. I I have talked to supporters of the president. I have talked to others who are not so much supporters of the president that have said to me, look. I don't see what the big deal is because we've been doing this, and it's cost the federal government money. It's cost Washington D.C. money, right? And this money. was costing us more and money because we transported for, for, a handful of tanks and had flyovers. No, because we because they had to to figure out how to build the scaffolding, the setup, the seating, handle the seating. Um, haul and haul tanks in, and do flyovers, um, and and do security way ahead of time, and be disruptive, and move the the fireworks to barges out in the river. So there's going to be millions and millions of extra dollars. So we, we, what we need is more data. We right. need to know that right. normally it costs five million, and this year it costs twenty five. Yeah, and no, and the, but the, his the, his supporters are not going to be uh, troubled by 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 that difference. The, all all I'm saying is that. That's going to be the the cost of his ego trip, and that's yep. the way that will well, be, well, no, no, be talked a bigger, about and remembered. There's a bigger cost here, and it's part of the ego trip that failed, and this is the, the larger thing. The one thing this president hates more than anything else is being publicly humiliated, and he's pretty much done that to himself in this case. The, the line that we are all talking about, about taking the airports, has been the meme. It's been, it's been the butt of jokes on every late-night TV show, and this president, you know, I hear he watches television a little bit, has been <laughs> acting out in weird ways, including he took a shot at Fox News, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so uh, this president is pissed off about this, and you might but, say but, but, that but, folks but, trolling the president want to keep him pissed <laughs> off about this, and I'm okay with that since this president's a moron. All right, but, 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 but <laughs> hold on. Rich Rubino, you know, going back to Dan, well, a point that Dan brought up earlier in the segment, Regarding the VIP tickets, I mean, the Fourth of July has largely been again a politically agnostic event here in Washington D.C. Uh, your spot on the mall was always first come, first serve, and now to hijack it in front of the Lincoln Memorial, build this elaborate stage, and have VIP seating with those tickets being handed out by the RNC. Uh, does does that lose? Does that allow the GOP to lose the argument that this was not a political event just by the fact that the RNC was handing out tickets. Yes, probably. I'm sure that the president's going to say that that's going to say that he knew nothing about it. But in the, in the scheme of things, in terms of electorally, I don't think this is going to matter one way or the other. When people go to vote, they either like Trump or they don't like it. They either think their own economic circumstances are positive or they think they're negative. They're not going to be thinking, well, there was this big event, you know, on July 4th at the mall, and they, we, spent a, we spent a bunch of money. I'm a fiscal conservative, so I'm going to vote against Trump. But I say there are so few persuadable voters. To the, to the extent that this is advantageous to anybody whatsoever, it's simply the Trump people because it basically gives kind of the showing of bellicosity, the showing of 
patriotism, um, is showing a machismo, I guess, and, it's, and a lot of people might come out and they'll say, yeah, that's my guy, you know, I'm going to support Donald Trump. But I can't think of anybody, I mean, there's so few actual persuadable voters, and in terms of the people who are against him anyways, um, very few of them are going to say, well, you know, I've listened to that speech, that speech was great, and, you know, maybe I'll, turn, maybe I'll change and, you know, perhaps I'll vote for him. You know, this isn't somebody like, you know, this isn't, Gerald Ford or George H.W. Bush, somebody who the American people are kind of, you know, wishy-washy on. This is somebody either you like him, you hate him, or you're in that 3% that's persuadable, and that's a very de minimis amount. Yeah, but Alan Moore, was it – somebody who is in uniform told me that they were insulted by the fact that Donald Trump gave the speech and did it the way he did. Is that fair? Well <laughs> – I'm sure there are plenty of other people in uniform who felt some good good sense of it. I mean, you can't just talk to one I, uh, one person. Where did they I don't, stand there, Alan? I, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm I'm trying to push back. One guy said I really didn't no, like no, no, it. No, no, I don't no, think I'm just that saying, was. I don't. I, 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 no, I'm just saying is is that is that a fair comment? Because I'm sure he's I not mean, it's the a fair only comment, one. It's a fair comment for that guy, and 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 but. I I don't think you you can on this particular issue, you know, find unanimity um, or consensus uh, among among folks in the military about whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. I know they, I can they, mention two. It was embarrassing for me. Well, fine, okay. It was so, insulting to me hearing that so, speech. Was you know basically all he did. What was magnificent about the speech? If you're going to sit there and you're going to write, have your speechwriters write something, write something dynamic, celebrating the families, celebrating the achievements of the modern day. Give us a rah-rah speech about, hey, where we're taking this it, whole it, country. It is worth noting that most of Trump's speeches are rather disjointed. Um, That's true. So <laughs> the, the idea that this one was devoid of... Of of a goal substance? No, no. I mean, no. It tried substance. It did try what, substance. It was just what substance? It, the inaccurate statements of history. Uh, <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> I mean, it did try to do something, but it had no clear goal. Well, other than uh, other than we can kick your ass. It, it was a recruiting. What? Somebody compared the speech to a recruiting brochure. What's the what's the uh, what's the Amer- America hell yeah or it's the, no, no, no 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 we can't use that we're a family show. Oh, okay. Well, when the teleprompter goes out and he doesn't have a written uh, copy of it or can't, wait, 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 can't deliver it, the president said the teleprompter. Prompter went out. Do we actually know the teleprompter we have no went confirmation out? Confirmation on that. Just to, just to contrast this, in 1994, Bill Clinton was giving a speech on health care. His teleprompter went out before the speech was began. Began. He told Al Gore about it. He said, "Please fix this." In the meantime, he gave us. He gave the speech basically from memory, and no one had any idea that the teleprompter had gone out. Yeah, that's the difference between a Bill Clinton and a Donald Trump, or, or any even a moderately skilled politician and Donald and Trump. Oh, that too. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, there, there, there was one, 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 one other, thing. Go ahead. Go one ahead. other July Fourth thing that that, what, that Melania's the, attire that the, the fireworks that, that nobody can see the, the fireworks the, through the yes, smoke. Exactly. So, <laughs> so remember what they did here. Normally, they shoot these things off from behind the Washington Monument. They go up pretty high. This year, there was a longer show, mostly from barges out in the river. Um, so they didn't go as high, and there was this weird uh, <laughs> in the weather uh, effect, this this temperature inversion of some right. some sort, and not enough wind. So the wind did not clear the cloud of the fireworks. So many people on the mall, uh, which is where most of them go, 
could not see the fireworks because it was clouded and and people started leaving while the fireworks were, were still going, going on. That just doesn't happen. You go there and that's the show, but if you can't see it, then you leave. Right. And 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 that is the other thing that that Oh, there's even, no there's one other one that we haven't talked about that's about to make it is that the president had shut down, or the FAA had shut down operations at Reagan National Airport, yep. and no flights in, no flights out for three hours. That was both. That was both for the flyover and the fireworks. Right, but but again, that's three hours of shutting down a major airport on the East Coast. That's kind of. Are, 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 are I mean, you saying that commercial traffic might have actually cared about this kind of stuff? Well, I'll tell you uh, what. If I'm on my way, if I'm on my way out of town and I'm flying out of Reagan, and I've got a three-hour delay because of the fact that the president all of a sudden decided he wanted an ego trip, I'd be fairly pissed. I think it, it, I, I'm certainly not defending it. I, there was some advance warning of that, so people could, so the airlines could make some adjustments a few days out. Well, there's still a cost to those adjustments. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. The rebooking, no, no the, the grounded but talking, demurrage. But Dustin's talking as though it was a, a shock when you when you've got a six o'clock flight and suddenly it's going to have to be a ten o'clock flight. But I think people were at least forewarned about that. Yeah. I'll you still. sure you didn't decide not to delay the ones to Ohio, Wisconsin, Florida? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That was a good one, Rich. Hey, listen, we, we've got uh, we've got about ten minutes, ten minutes in the, in the, left in the show, and and I do want to bring up one subject. Uh, it was announced today. We broadcast this, uh, or we record this episode on the Tuesday. And earlier today, it was announced that uh, former tech tycoon, former Lone Star Texan, and former presidential candidate on the independent side, H. Ross Perot, passed away at the age of 92. Uh, H. Ross Perot, depending on where you stand, either gave Bill Clinton the presidency or ripped away a second term for George Bush, 41, but he was a political... That, there's not consensus on that. Yeah, I, agree. Uh, I, yeah, I, just, I completely disagree with uh, that. But, but also, he's, he wasn't independent. He formed a new party. Did he? It was the Reform yeah. Party, which became, which, which then which morphed into what? United We Stand America, that party, uh, which Pat Buchanan eventually used to run for president. Uh, so, yeah, Still he, not mandatory on all 50 states, though. No, but it, well, he he wasn't an independent. He founded his own party, and the he, libertarians are doing a better job than his own party did. No, well, no, so absolutely I, not. Hang on, I want to hear from Rich here, yeah. and I want to hear your your sense that you don't think that no. Perot uh, changed the outcome of that election. No, I don't. I think that the poll that I've seen showed it's about forty two of the people who would have voted, taking away the people who would not have voted or would have voted for a third party candidate if Perot was not in the race. It's about forty two forty two in terms of who they would have voted for. Now, remember Perot's message in that campaign. First of all, part of the message was he was, he said, in the commercials, he said, specifically, trickle-down economics just simply didn't trickle. So he was running ads essentially opposed the Reagan, to the Reagan-Bush policy, specifically Ronald Reagan and the idea of, you know, the idea of supply-side economic with George H.W. Bush reluctantly supported during, his, during the Reagan administration. Now, during the, during the 1992 primary campaign, it was Paul Songus, the former senator from Massachusetts, who made the flagship issue of his campaign deficit reduction. He talked about the idea that we should needed to raise taxes and cut spending. That's essentially what Ross Perot was running on. 
Bill Tsongas ran against Bill Clinton in the primary, and Perot essentially took Tsongas' mantle and made it national and was able to appeal to that kind of broad cross-section of the middle. He was pro-choice. He was pro-gun control. A lot of issues where George H.W. Bush was simply not. And he, oh, the other issue that Jerry Brown was running that year in the primaries, and remember Jerry Brown was running on a couple of things. One of them was campaign finance reform. The other one was being against NAFTA. So, so, so Ross Perot co-opted both of those issues. And he used those against Bill Clinton, and he, he because Bill Clinton had been had said that he would support NAFTA if, there, if we made another deal, essentially a side deal involving the environment and labor, which he eventually did. Um, so that's what, that's basically what Ross Perot was saying. A lot of his stuff was taken away from Bill Clinton. Now that being said, were there any states where Ross Perot did take a, where it, it, Ross Perot made competitive because he was in the race? A couple. Georgia is one where Bill Clinton won, I think, because of Ross Perot. The other is probably Montana. On the other side of that, he probably made a state like Maine competitive because Maine was his best state, and he probably made that a little bit more competitive for the for, for the Republican. Hey, Rich, let me, Rich, let me just let me just jump in and ask the question here real quick because I know that this is weighing on my mind as you're talking. Is you you seriously believe? that had Ross Perot not been in the race, that Bill Clinton would have been president? Yes, I do. Completely. You do? Yes. That I think surprises it me. It would, have been the, it would have been the same outcome except that Georgia and Montana would have gone into the Bush column. And the other thing you've got to remember, George H.W. Bush was a very unpopular president. He had a job approval rating at about 38% right around the election period. Now, if it, let's say, assume, first of all, assume Perot wasn't in that race whatsoever. Um, now, I believe that he took that he took equal, equally from both parties, from Clinton and Bush, so I think he was essentially a non-factor. But Bill Clinton certainly would have had another strategy to beat George H.W. Bush. It's the same argument that, for example, in 1912, people say, well, Theodore Roosevelt was in the race, so, Warren Howard, so William Howard Taft lost because he was in the race. Well, no. If he, if he was not in that race, Woodrow Wilson would probably have won anyway because he was such an unpopular president. And in George H.W. Bush's case, there was a mild recession occurring. As Prospero said, trickle-down economics simply didn't trickle. And the other thing that Prospero did is he actually did a lot to harm Bill Clinton. He actually ran an ad where he got spoke on in there for about 30 minutes, and I remember watching this, and he just eviscerated Arkansas under Bill Clinton. He said, this is, you know, Arkansas is 50th in this, Arkansas is 49th in this, Arkansas is 49th in that. He did just as much damage, I think, to Bill Clinton as he did to George H.W. Bush. And you know he ran again in 1996, and when he ran in 1996, he was starting. He was, you know, the idea of the reform party, and by that time, the idea of the balanced budget had kind of hadn't been was was a non-issue because there was a de- the deficit. The de- deficit was reducing. There was deficit. The deficit was reducing, and I think he so he tried to run. He tried to run again, and in the primary that year, Richard Lamb, the former governor of Colorado, a three-term governor of Colorado, ran against him. And he was get he would probably would have won that nomination, but Pro because I think he did not want to see somebody else get the nomination went into the race again and essentially got right. that nomination. Had Dick Lamb won the nomination that year, he wouldn't have won the presidency. But I think the party would have sustained itself, and then by 2000, it would have had somebody who's had elected experience, who was a more reputable right. official, not from business. And I think the party would have would still be in existence today. And you know what Pro's ultimate goal is with the Reform Party at the time. He thought that the Reform Party was going to take away one of the two major parties, and right. it didn't. And part of that, I think, is because it became the Perot Party, not the Reform Party. He was not able to give the mantle to somebody like right. Dick Lamb, who could then give the mantle well, to somebody else. You got you got exactly 20 seconds. So I'm not quite certain I go quite as far as as, as Rich saying uh, that he, he affected both equally. However, I am going to say that... Uh, 
Yeah, Roth Pro fundamentally changed how the election was run and that strategy wise. And I can I can't speak as much to ninety two. Ninety six I worked on the Clinton campaign and we couldn't have cared less about Ross Perot. Uh he was simply a non factor. Right. But the idea it was just a different race and the Republican Party, and that's been their narrative from from ninety two that he affected just did not know what to do with a multipolar general election for the presidency. Yeah. And to this day they still don't quite know what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, you're being played off. Sorry. Anyway, on behalf of Dan Lipner, Alan Moore here in studio, Rich Rubino out there in uh, the Great Bay State of Massachusetts, Rob the Engineer keeping us honest, and of course our producer, Eric Thomas. I'm Russ Moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, by the way, you can follow us on all of your favorite podcasting services, including Google, Apple, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. You can follow us on our website, www.backroompolitics.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have photos. You can see our ugly mugs. Why, that's why everybody says we have a face or we have a face for radio. Anyway, uh, stay in touch. Keep with us. If you want to reach out to me, Justin at backroompolitics.org. Have a great week, America. See you next time. Bye-bye.